Well, let's turn now to the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 18. I think maybe I preached on this years ago, but uh, I see things in it now that I'm sure I never saw years ago. But in the uh, 17th chapter, uh, the 18th chapter and the 18th verse, And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. To put it just as plainly as can possibly be put, all of the children of Israel had gone after a false god and had forsaken the true God. And Elijah had risen up as the only lonely, separated prophet whom God had anointed to call them back to the God of Israel and away from the God that was called Balaam or Baal. And Elijah, in a very definite sense, was involved in a magnificent evangelistic campaign to turn the hearts of the people away from the false God and to direct the hearts of the people to the true God. And that's what he did, and that's what God used him to do. And as a result of this contest, which we're all familiar with, it's one of the great uh, events of the Old Testament, as a result of this contest on the top of Mount Carmel, all Israel turned back to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now the setting of this stage is of the greatest importance. Ahab and Jezebel had led the entire nation astray. They were responsible for misleading the nation. Many a leader, many a king, many a political authority has misled the people. And Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel had led the nation away. Jezebel, with all her finance, had 400 prophets of her own that she fed. And they looked after some groves that she was interested in. And there were 450 prophets of Baal that were kept by Ahab. The whole nation had gone astray. It had gone much further astray than our nation has gone tonight. We feel that our nation is in trouble. We feel our nation is wandering, and it is. But the percentage here was 450 prophets of Baal plus 400 prophets of the, go of the groves. There's 850 prophets lined up alongside just one, and his name was Elijah. One man against 450. One man against the king. One man against the queen. One man against all the people of Israel. One man. Just one man. Elijah. Furthermore, beloved, I think I must tell you a little of the background. Ahab and Jezebel were trying to get Elijah and kill him so there wouldn't even be one man left. 
and Elijah had fled, and Ahab had given the word to go to every valley and every brook and under every bush and in every cave and find this man and put him to death. And then there would need no voice left to embarrass the king in his allegiance to all the prophets of Baal and to embarrass the queen in all that she had done to provide for her 400 prophets who looked after her pet groves. Now that's your picture. Now the story opens at the place where we began our reading where Elijah boldly comes and stands in the presence of Ahab. Now, beloved, that was a dangerous thing for Elijah to do. <laughs> All in the world that Ahab needed to do when Elijah arrived was lay his hands on him. I've been after you, and now you're here, I'll lay my hands on you. But Elijah stepped up into the presence of the king, and I want you to notice that God is with Elijah in these engagements. God is with him. God is with Elijah in every move, in every step, in every thought, in the announcement of the plan, and God approved of it all. In fact, Elijah got these ideas from God because he says so. But Elijah went and stood in the presence of the king, and the first thing that the king said to Elijah was, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Are you this old prophet that's been going around preaching and denouncing Israel and denouncing me? Are you the Elijah that we've been looking for? In other words, Ahab was so surprised to see this man come and save that he couldn't make sure he was the right one. He didn't think that Elijah would really come in and save. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Beloved, the courage, the strength, that God gave to this man Elijah to go to stand in the presence of the king. And the king was so astounded by it. He says, are you the man that's been troubling us? Have you actually come in here to where I am? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel. A plain declaration of denial. But thou, thy father's house, ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you've turned and followed Baal. Now, if he hadn't have been seized and killed by this time, he certainly ought to have been seized and killed by this time. Why didn't Ahab said, that's the same accusation you've been making all over the land, and I'm not going to take it, I'm not going to accept it, and I'll order my men to lay hands on you now, and we'll eliminate you, and you'll quit going telling everybody that I've forsaken the God of Israel. But he didn't do it. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with Elijah. The Lord took care of Elijah. And no sooner did Elijah say to the king that you've forsaken the God of Israel and you've turned and followed Balaam. He says, now therefore... Will you send and gather all Israel over here to Mount Carmel? This is Elijah's proposal. And the prophets of Baal, get all your 450 prophets of Baal 
and get all your 400 prophets that belong to Jezebel. They eat at her table. Bring every one of them up to the prophets of Dale, up to Mount Carmel. So Elijah sent unto all, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel. Now, beloved, Ahab didn't have to accept this. Ahab didn't have to do what Elijah was suggesting. But he's making a proposal that they bring all the prophets, every one of them. There'll just be Elijah out here by himself. And here's the king with all the majority power, and here he is with all the multitudes. And Ahab says, bring all your prophets and bring all your people and bring every one of them over to Mount Carmel. And then Elijah says in verse 21, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, you follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And Elijah announces that he wants them to face the issue that's raised by his preaching. Beloved, you know how many men it takes to raise an issue in a country? Just one. Do you know how many people it takes to upset a church? Just one. Do you know how many people it takes to have a radio program to reach around the world? Just one. Just one. And Elijah had raised the question. And now Elijah says, don't hold Let's settle the question. If the Lord's God, you follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Don't halt between two opinions. Beloved, there is no black, there is no gray, there is no middle ground. It's either the God of Israel or the God of Baal. And beloved, it's the black and the white. It's the right and the wrong. It's the true and the false. It's the God of grace and the servants of the devil. And these are the lines that are drawn in this conflict. And these are the lines that are drawn in the conflict of our age. And it is the conflict of all the ages. Conflict between the true God and all the false gods that are raised up by the satanic powers that abound and that are here upon this earth to take away the faith of men and to have them die without the knowledge of the true God. Do you know, beloved, every time man gets up to preach, every time he gets up to preach, this is the issue. This is the issue. If the Lord be God, believe in his Son and follow him. But if the world be God, if your idols be God, if these are the things that you believe to be God, and if they're real, you follow them. And the preacher, the evangelist, is turning the people from their false gods to the true God. The evangelist is telling men to turn from their sin and be redeemed by the blood of Christ, asking us to turn from the death which is upon us and the judgment and the wrath to come, asking us to repent and put our faith in the only Redeemer that there is, the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> the people didn't say a word. People just stood there. 
Elijah says, all right, we'll make a little test. And you know, I can't understand when I study this, I read this thing. I can't understand why these 450 prophets of Baal ever agreed to this contest. I don't understand why they ever got themselves mixed up in it. Why they ever agreed to it, but they did. You know, today we try to get our political leaders to get on a television together, you know, and one side will agree and the other side won't agree, and we try to get these religious leaders to come and we'll debate them and they won't come and debate us. Why did these 450 prophets agree to go up to Mount Carmel and be there in the kind of a contest that Elijah is suggesting? Why did they even accept the thing? Now notice what he said. I, even I, only remain. Here I am. 450 prophets of Baal are on hand. And beloved, Elijah knew that one with his God was all he needed. But these 450, thinking in their line of thought and their way of calculating, they thought, what's 450 alongside this little one, little prophet? He's not anything anyhow. Ahab's had him out in the hedges, hiding in the caves, and who's he anyhow? And apparently that was the thing that caused them to decide to do it. Just one little man opposed to the great multitude of prophets. Everybody was on the side of Ahab. Everybody was on the side of Jezebel. Everybody was against this man. They called him the troubler, the troubler, the troubler. But he's going to prove to them before we get through tonight that he was not the troubler. He's going to demonstrate that his accusation was right. They had forsaken the God of Israel. And that had caused the trouble in the land. So Elijah said, let the 450 bring us two bullocks up here on the top of the mountain. Let them make an altar here and put wood on it and cut their bullock in pieces. I'll make an altar and take my bullock and put the wood on and I'll cut him up and put him in pieces. And then the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Why in the world did they ever consent to such a thing? Why did they ever consent to such a contest? All I can say is that they were so overwhelmingly in the majority. They were so overwhelmingly in control of the religious life of the country. They were so overwhelmingly in control of the political affairs of the nation. They had the king, they had the temples, they had everything. And here was this one little fellow. They had everything on their side, everything of a material way, everything of an ecclesiastical way, everything of a political way, everything was on their side. Why shouldn't God be on their side? Why shouldn't this God out here that runs these groves and have these great high places, why shouldn't he answer? They were all here. And would any God intervene for a little prophet out here who just caused trouble? Now, beloved, you've got to understand that the natural man, the ungodly man, 
The mind of the unregenerate thinks in terms of numbers and power and material considerations. That's the world in which they live. It's the man who believes in the God of resurrection. It's the man who believes in the God who intervenes in a supernatural way. It's a man who believes that God sent his son to be born of a virgin. It's a man who believes that Jesus Christ is the second person of the eternal trinity. That man that will stand all by himself. And that was Elijah. That was Elijah. My, just look at this man. And so when Elijah turned to the people, and he said, here are two altars. Now the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And the people gave their assent. Well, at that moment, the prophets of Baal couldn't back out. At that moment, Elijah had his crowd, Elijah had the two altars, Elijah had the contrast drawn, and the people were there, and Elijah said, The God who speaks by fire out of the heavens, let him be the true God. And if he speaks by fire from the heavens, he's the one we're going to serve. The God that answers by fire, and the people said, All right, let that be. Oh, beloved, we're dealing with a man who has tremendous faith in his God. And so far as fire coming down from heaven, Elijah knew that his God could send it because he had sent it before. You remember back there in the days when Adam sinned and they were put out of the garden. And here was Cain and Abel. And Cain killed his brother because his brother bought a little sacrifice which was of blood. And how did God honor and acknowledge that sacrifice, the first sacrifice that was ever accepted by God? Fire came and consumed it. It was a pillar of fire that led the children of Israel by night. And Elijah knew that his God had spoken by fire from heaven, that his God could speak by fire from heaven. And Elijah believed that his God would by fire from heaven. When we come down to the end of this, I want to turn over, if you will, just a little ahead to verse 36. When Elijah makes his great prayer, when he comes to the final appeal, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God, and that I am thy servant. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Elijah stands here now in the midst of the contest. He knows the Lord God is true. He knows that he is his servant. And no one will ever be able to deny him that assurance. And furthermore, he knows he has possession of the word that's been given to him by God. Now he says, let them know that you're God. Let them know that this lonely man who's had to flee, who's been persecuted, who's called the troubler, let them know that I'm thy servant. Let them know that all the rest of them are false and wicked. And let them know that I have direct contact with thee and that I'm delivering unto them the word that it's given unto me. 
Well, let's go back now to where we have the altars. And Elijah says, since you're so many, you just go first. And uh, you cut up your bullock, and they did. And he stood off to the side and said, go ahead. And then what was their cry? Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. And they cried, and they cried, and they cried. Oh, Baal. Well, beloved, Baal couldn't hear them because there is no Baal to hear them. There never was any Baal. There never will be any Baal. They were crying out upon that hilltop for something that did not exist. A false god. And they cried out, hear us. He couldn't hear them. He had no ears. He had no power. He had no life. He was nothing but a piece of stone on the top of a high place in Israel. That's all he was. An idol. No voice came. Nor any that answered. And I can say to you people tonight. If from that day that they stood on that mountain. And cried out to Baal. They could have continued all night, all the next day, all the next week, all the next year, all the next century. And they could be on that mountain tonight, over there on the top of Mount Carmel. And I've seen it several times myself. And they could be standing up there tonight crying out, Oh, Baal, hear us. And he has never heard them. He never will hear them. There is no such God at all. Beloved, we must come face to face with the reality that there are false gods, there are idols. Thou shalt have no other god before me. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Thou shalt not make unto thee any likeness or any graven image of any likeness of any kind that's in the heaven above the earth beneath or the waters under the sea. And thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Elijah believed the first commandment. He was honoring the second commandment. He was honoring and using the third commandment. He was taking the name of the Lord his God not in vain. He was appealing to it in truth and asking God to manifest his power. Well, what did they do? They leaped upon the altar which was made. <laughs> Imagine these 450 prophets climbing up on the altar. Here was the bullock. Imagine the kind of uh, antics and the kind of uh, uh, gymnastics they must have gone through and carrying on this scene. And then we read, they began to cut themselves with their knives and with their swords and their bodies were bleeding. And when it came noontime, they'd been out there all morning and when the noon hour struck, Elijah got up and he began to mock them. Oh, the courage that men can have when they know they have the truth. Oh, the courage that men can have when they know they're standing for the commandments of God. Oh, the courage that men can have. They can mock them. And he stood and he said, Now you have a God. You have a God. Just keep it up. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe uh, he's gone to sleep. Maybe he's engaged in some activity that's more important than this. Be patient. And Elijah stood there and mocked him. 
Paul said, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Your land is full of idols. They are nothing. We want nothing to do with them. We want to clean up the house of God and clean up the land and turn away from the idols. This was Elijah. And before Elijah gets through with this great contest, which is now in shaping up as it comes to its climax, Elijah is going to demonstrate that there is a God. He's going to demonstrate that he's not a troublemaker. He's the servant of God. He's going to demonstrate that he's in contact and communication with that God. And when his word is confirmed in this great and glorious miracle of fire falling from that moment on, everything Elijah says, everything Elijah does, every message that Elijah has to deliver will be a message that the people will recognize that comes from God, the living God. Well, it came the evening time. The sun was going down. And Elijah then turned and said, give me my opportunity. And he said to the people, will you come near? Everybody gather up here. All the multitudes gathered here. And he took 12 stones and he rebuilt the altars of the Lord which had fallen down. When you turn to other gods, the altars of God fall down. We're turning to the altars of pleasure. We're turning to the altars of materialism. We're turning to the altars of, of affluence and comfort. We're turning to the altars, all manner of altars. And the house of God is falling down. And Elijah said, the first thing I'm going to do is to take 12 stones and I'll rebuild the altar that's fallen down. And then on that altar he placed his wood. And on that wood he placed his sacrifice. And then he turned and said, Here, will you come please and bring me these barrels, these four barrels of water. Imagine bringing water up, up on the hillside and bringing them all up the mountainside to pour these four barrels of water on. And I said, Go do it a second time. And so they go and get the water the second time. I mean, can you imagine the people looking at this water going on? They're saying, well, the other priests, they didn't ask for any water. This man's going to wet his wood. This man's going to soak his wood. This man is going to make his wood so wet that it'll be difficult for it to burn. And so they came with the second barrels of four, oh, four barrels of water. And they came with the third barrels of water. And the water went all over it. And then Elijah said, take the trench that's around about it and fill the trench up. And the whole thing was saturated with water. What do you think those people must have felt? Beloved, when you're on God's side, all the barriers and the obstacles, no matter what they are, won't hinder God from accomplishing his purpose. Furthermore, just remember, beloved, that those of us who have the supernatural have a power that the ungodly know nothing about. 
And in the contest between God and the world, there never is an equality. God always manifests his superior power in such a way that there can be no question but that God has acted. Well, here you got a bunch of bleeding, torn, weary, tired monks or priests. Here they are. They've been at it all day and no results at all. Elijah, he's been sitting over here. He gets up and repairs the altar and says, bring on the water, bring on the water, bring on the water. Everything's soaked up. And then what does Elijah say? Oh, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. O oh God, wilt thou answer by fire and let all these people know that thou art God. Let all these people see that I'm thy servant. Let all these people know that I've done these things at thy word. How many times did he have to pray? How many times did he have to lift his hands up to heaven? How long did it take him to get an answer? Midnight? Eleven o'clock? Nine o'clock? No, beloved, the answer came instantaneously. No sooner had he finished the last word of his prayer and said the amen, so be it God, than the fire fell from heaven. And here it came. How much fire was involved, we do not know, but it was a consuming fire. And it came down and it hit that bullock right there. And it consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed the water. It lapped up everything that there was around. And when it was finished, there was a clean, dry piece of ground on the top of Mount Carmel. And Elijah stood there. And all the people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And that's all they said. They didn't say that Elijah was his prophet. That went with it. That went with it. Oh, my beloved, tonight we're dealing here in this pulpit with the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And our Savior said, before Abraham was, I am. And he rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And what I want you to see is that one man, I'm talking about you. One individual, I'm talking about you. One single person regenerated by the power of God. That one person can stand against all the kings and all the false prophets. And all the wickedness that abounds in all this world. He can do it. And God wants us to do it. Oh, to stand for that which is right. Because it is right. Oh, to stand for that which is true. Because God has declared it to be true. Oh, to stand for the Son of God who died on Calvary for our sins 
because that atonement is the only one that God has ever made and ever will make for our sins. Well, that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Now let's take it just a little further. My, this was an evangelistic campaign. I assure you that. The whole nation made a switch. The whole nation said, these, these, these prophets are no good. And furthermore, they were banished. Elijah just banished them. In fact, they were told he took them down to the brook Kishon and he disposed of all of them. And when you possess the knowledge of the true God, you're not interested in helping the idols. You leave them alone. When you possess the knowledge that God has given to us in his word and his commandments to follow, if the Lord be God, follow him. And oh, if we could just get the Lord's people and Christian people to follow God and follow our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Elijah was vindicated. But most of all, it wasn't that Elijah was vindicated. Beloved, we'll all be vindicated someday. Don't worry about that. Every last one of us who stood for Christ will be vindicated in that great day when we stand in his presence. Don't worry about that. What Elijah did was to convince the multitudes of the people that the God he served was true and that Baal was the false one. Who was the troubler in Israel? Ahab, who had forsaken the true God. Who was the troubler in Israel? Jezebel, who was feeding the false prophets. The trouble was not with Elijah, though he was the smallest little tiny one alongside of 850 prophets and 450 of them Baals and 400, and 400 of them Jezebel's own private affair that she fed at her table. Beloved, it never is right to say that a minority doesn't have the truth because so frequently in history they have. They've had it. And Elijah was the smallest minority you could get, just one. And he had the truth. Now let's go a little further. Do you know the one place in all the drama of history? Here it is. From the day that God made Adam and Eve male and female and put them together in that garden. And then they fell into sin and the curse fell upon them and the long struggle of the race has come through these centuries in the darkness and the filth. And death has plagued every generation. There's no exceptions. And tonight we stand here in Collingswood 2,000 years since the day that a cross was lifted up and the Lamb of God hung on that cross outside a city wall. But take the span of history from the beginning of man back here until the day when man will be raptured and judgment will fall upon the ungodly. And on that stage of history, where is the fire? Where is the fire? On that stage of history, where is the one great supernatural event that declares
declares the Son of God to be indeed the Son of God with power. What is that one great happening above every other happening that ever took place? What is it that enables us to see that God has sealed, that God has delivered, that God has provided a complete salvation? What is it? It's an empty tomb and a risen Christ. That's it. And when I come to you tonight, I say, let the God who raised up Jesus Christ from the dead be God. Let the God who sent his son to die for us, let him be God. No other God has raised anyone from the dead. No other God ever will raise anybody from the dead because there is no other God to do it. There's only one God. Our God. The true God. Beloved, when I get to this point, we need missionaries. We need evangelists. We need men who will go out and beseech people to come to Christ. We mean men who will know how to give invitations. Men who will know how to talk to their neighbors. We need men who will go out and talk to others about Christ and tell them how they can come home and be delivered from their sin and be saved. Let the God who answers by a resurrection be God. He's our God tonight. When I look at Elijah and I see this prophet, the Tishbite, and I turn to these great passages in the New Testament, God has chosen the foolish things. God has chosen the weak things. God has chosen the things that do not exist to bring down in destruction the things which are. Oh, beloved, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Elijah had faith. Elijah had the knowledge of the God of glory. Elijah was faithful and Elijah knew that his God would care for him and he did until the end. The God who answereth by fire, let him be God. Is he your God? Are you his servant? And are you doing all these things at his word? That's what Elijah said. Now somebody says, but oh, Dr. McIntyre, I'm going to stop now. Oh, Dr. McIntyre, why don't you call down fire from heaven? Why don't you go up to the National Council of Churches and have a contest and you get some fire to call down on their big building up there and get that thing eaten up? Why don't you do that? No, beloved, God doesn't work that way today. He did that work that way in the days of Elijah and the prophets. He did that. Do you know what he, how he works today? He works now through this word which we now have. 
And there's more power in this word. There's more power in this revelation. There's more power in this message of regeneration than in the fire that fell down from heaven. And if you want fire today, you just stand by the word and preach it. And see how God changes man, saves their souls, turns them about face, makes them new creatures in Christ. That's the power of God. My friend, is that power yours tonight? Have you come to the knowledge of the true God and are you willing to serve him? Let him be God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve this Lord. Let's serve him. Let's dedicate everything we have to him and let's go and honor his blessed name. If Elijah could stand alone, you can stand alone. <clears throat> Let us pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, our God, we thank thee tonight for this great passage. We thank thee that thou didst use Elijah to turn a whole nation about face. They were serving Baal, but they turned and served thee because one man spoke to it. One man stood up against it all. One man believed that thou wert the true God, and thou didst take care of Oh, Father, bless us tonight. May the many lessons of this passage abide in our hearts. For Christ's sake, amen. You know what I'd like to ask you to do? <clears throat> go home. Before you go to bed, read the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. Just read it. You've heard me preach it. Did you ever think I'd get so much out of it? You see? Now you read it, you read it, you read it. And you'll see things, things that's come to your mind. That's what I'd like to have you do. Let's stand now and sing as we close this great hymn. 354, Living for Jesus.
beloved. Sunday morning, we're going to take new members into our church. Several have come, a couple this morning at the door. They're Lutherans. They say they're coming from down in Pittman. They want to get out of their church. I don't know how many are going to come, but we're going to open the doors of the church next Sunday morning again. The elders will meet in here at quarter to 11. And there's some of you people sitting here tonight. I see you. You've been here many times. You're not members of this church. Many of you never go to any other church but this one, but you're still not members of it. And I want you to come and be with us. I want you to make that decision. We need you, but most of all, beloved, you need the testimony and the blessing of being a part of a Christian church that's standing up like this prophet did. You need it. And I invite you to come. Put your membership in this church. If you haven't been baptized, we'll baptize you. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And come and be a part of the house of the Lord among the people of God. For some of you, we've been praying you'd come. Some of you here, you've been here for months and years, and you just come. I want you to come with us next Sunday morning and be a part of this church. Now, don't put it off. Don't delay it. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for this great message tonight. It's thrilled our hearts. We've been stirred with the truth of it. Only men in whom the living God abides could do what Elijah did. And we thank thee that thou wast with him, and he did it. And now, Father, be with us in this place, in this church, and keep it all. May those who should come and put their membership in this church and be a part of it do so. May they make up their minds and not delay. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen.